Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing on with our draft countdowns tonight. The wide receiver is an important position to a lot of people, particularly the Twitter fans out there who wide receiver is something they, they follow very closely for the Ravens. And uh, joining me to do that is Jake Vogel. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Thank you for having me on. Uh, appreciate you coming on. A great show you did with us in terms of the, uh, the Roquan Smith acquisition. Brought a lot to light there and uh, we've all just been uh, basking in what Roquan has brought to this defense uh, since. Absolutely. I'm so excited for year two with Roquan. All right. So a few things about the the Ravens going into this draft at wide receiver. I think until a few days ago, and now we're a couple days past um, the signing of Odell Beckham at this point, or the, the announcement that they have come to terms, and I don't believe the signing has actually occurred yet. Uh, but – one of the questions is, does wide receiver remain the same sort of priority in this draft after that Beckham signing? Yeah, I, I think in the opinion of many fans that I've um, talked to on Twitter, the wide receiver position maybe has dropped down a peg in terms of um, need, especially for the Ravens. You know, the Odell signing for me, it's a move that that takes the Ravens out of um, requiring that first round capital for a wide receiver. However, it doesn't change much uh, because Odell and Bateman haven't been the healthiest guys in recent seasons. Um, and you want to surround Lamar with as much talent as possible. And I think the addition of Todd Munkin is a really good one for OC because he is the kind of guy that truly knows how to maximize the the skill talent he has. Um, I, th- I think he will have no problem getting the ball into the playmaker's hands. Um, that's what every OC should be doing, and I think Todd does that very well. So adding a receiver in the first round is not out of the realm of possibility for me it just probably drops uh, a few percentile in terms of likelihood or need. Yeah. That's, I mean, maybe something we can, we can just handicap right now. I was at 45 wide receiver, sorry, 45 corner, 35 wide receiver and 20, the field before the Beckham signing. Um, where would you have it now in terms of that? I, I, I'm obviously, I probably should have just waited and told you mine, but where would you have it in terms of handicapping the percentage of, uh, corner, wide receiver, and field. Um, I honestly think those numbers sound about right, um, even for now. Yeah, I, I would say corner is the most likely position, but you can't rule out a first-round wide receiver. 35 seems um, perfectly reasonable. And the field, if it's a Nolan Smith that slides as an edge rusher or someone else, um, maybe an offensive tackle would be – That'd be kind of a dark horse move, uh, yeah. in my opinion. But yeah, I, I would definitely say corner and wide receiver are still the the most obvious needs. Yeah, that's a great point you're making about offensive tackle because the Ravens have an old guy um, at right tackle. They have a guy who's getting very expensive in terms of cap dollars at left tackle, and he will likely be here the number two year, the next two years. 
But if they have to replace them both at the same time, that's not a good thing. So they're going to have to stagger the replacement. And when you have the luxury of being able to truly draft a developmental tackle, and maybe they think Daniel Falele is that guy, but I don't think I like it that much when they're already talking about moving him to guard this year. Right. You know, that, it, so that's not a good look. Uh, he also didn't play, obviously, very well at tackle last year. Um, then maybe there's another developmental left tackle in the in the uh, group. And I do think that's what this team needs more than they need a right tackle because you can you can address that in a few different ways. There's usually a larger pool of street talent for that. They need a guy who can play left tackle. And uh, and I think developmental guys, you know, if they had gotten out and gotten like a Spencer Brown or some of the other guys who were, you know, moder- moderately cheap, three, four, five round guys uh, from the last couple of years, I think that would have been a, uh, you know, it would be a reasonable thing to go do in this draft. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. All right. So the other thing that I kind of, this is not directly a draft topic, but does the Beckham signing to you mean anything else about what the Ravens may know with regard to the injuries to Bateman and Duvernay? Now you mentioned, you know, Bateman has not been a guy who's been able to stay on the field consistently and Beckham obviously missed all of 22, but in turn, do they potentially know more about those two guys and that, Hey, wait a minute. We're going to be without this doesn't seem like a it's not a great market but we gotta we gotta get the guy we can we can get here um i haven't really thought about it that way um you know john harbaugh is never a guy to fully trust when it comes to injury news he's always more optimistic than than what is reality um so you know him talking about rashad bateman you know being up and running very soon um, after he spoke at the, uh, whatever meeting that was the, where he got ambushed with the Lamar questions, the liars luncheon or, or the, or it, the previous it was one bef- where the NFL, yeah, it was the NFL meetings. Yes. Um, he was talking about Bateman, um, got a question. Uh, anyways, so I was kind of the, under the assumption, um, that Bateman would be healthy and ready to go by the season. So I wasn't really thinking about it that way, but more, they did this move to make Lamar happy, um, happy enough at least to stay in 2023 and to feel like um, he is appreciated and is getting weapons, even if, you know, the guy has passed his prime, um, you know, perhaps at full strength with the compliment that are, you know, that's already in the building in Baltimore, uh, OBJ could return to hopefully close to that 2019 form. Right. It's been, it's definitely been a long, slow decline for Odell over the course of his career. His best years were his early years with the giants and and his rookie year was arguably still the best year he's ever had. Um, And uh, certainly in terms of yards per target, it was, it's the only time he's hit 10 in his career. And he's had a very steady ride down to 6.5 in his last year that he played and obviously didn't, didn't play at all in 22. So uh, I think there are a lot of legitimate questions. And, and you know, I went through this with uh, uh, Garnett West on the air the other day in terms of, of trying to estimate the yardage. And I think if you put together the, um, the games he'll play, multiply those by the targets per game and multiply that by the yards per target, I think, you know, I come up with a number like 340 yards. Garnett is very optimistic. He also will right. say that he's representing the other Ravens fans and saying 1,100 yards. And I'm, you know, you still see people on Twitter still talking about a 1,300 yard season. I mean, there aren't that many touches to go around. <laughs> it's just uh, <laughs> even if Monken brings a, a, a new explosiveness and a, a new downfield strategy to the game, which you know certainly is possible, would be more than Roman I would expect. I still don't see it ending up that way. And and for Odell to have a big year. The Ravens are going to have to move away from tight end usage, in my opinion, because his a lot of his value comes when he can motion, go in the slot, and the Ravens play a lot of 12. They like to use the tight end as their flex or slot receiver uh, and also use their motion on their slot receiver so Beckham wouldn't have the the, the value of, of uh, getting a free release off the line of scrimmage that way. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do this because I, I am expecting – heavy tight end usage still this year, because I think that's where a lot of the Ravens talent is. Um, and I don't think you, you reduce Charlie Kolar or uh, certainly Mark Andrews, but, but uh, you know, or really 
likely we maybe didn't see everything we should have in the first year, but I still think if you're talking about likely and Odell Beckham, you're talking about a lot of the same components of the route tree that they would run. Likely has vertical explosiveness, probably a little bit more than Beckham has at this point in his career. And he also can give you a lot of that over the middle with the with the toughness after the catch that uh, he's a bigger man than Beckham too. So I, I have... I have a hard time with the signing in general. I just, I don't know how the Ravens will play it. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. So the, the last thing is we're going to look at a number of receivers here. And as, as you went through this, my list of one to 10 is made up for the Ravens specifically. I, all my draft coverage is Ravens centric in terms of who I believe will be the best player to fit the Ravens. And I, in terms of stylistic fit, I had some things in mind, but what, what do you think the Ravens need in terms of stylistic fit uh, out of a receiver? Um, you know, I think it varies for, you're not looking for one particular thing, in my opinion. Um, in the past few years, there's been talk about getting the Ravens, you know, a true X wide receiver, somebody that's bigger. This draft class doesn't have a ton of those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, you have a lot of smaller wide receivers and that seems to be a trend. Um, so there's going to be some differences in those prospects versus these smaller guys. And I like both types for the Ravens. So if you're talking about just in general, a quality that I like about some of these wide receivers, it is the yards after the catch run after the catch ability. Um, that's something that the Ravens would love to have. Any team would really lo love to have that. So um, I would put an emphasis on that. Um, route running ability is always going to be at the top of the list of uh, of wide receivers as well. Um, and then then you can get into the size thing. Um, do you want a bigger, stronger at the catch point type wide receiver? Um, that would be up there as well. So I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. I think one of the keys for me is I think the Ravens have the good possession catch point guys, mostly in the form of tight ends, but mm -hmm. you know, even Bateman's had some drop issues, but, but he's, you know, has good size and musculature and round route running ability is good at least to, to be a good catch point receiver. And Odell, he better bring that. That's certainly the, you know, one of his few remaining traits, which hopefully hasn't, you know, eroded too much over time. But the thing that really lacked since Marquise Brown left was that was a guy who could take the top yeah. off. Mm -hmm. And you know, they, they, they had that uh, when they had that, they were getting Andrews free with a lot more high quality targets deep, you know, between level two and three on the field. And honestly, I think you get better extended play targets too. If, if Marquise has taken a player or even two deep with some kind of bracketed coverage, and then all of a sudden it becomes a scramble drill and you need an underneath. It's really nice to have two players, you know, out of there and have, you know, lots of opportunities to create space underneath there. So in terms of extended plays, I, I like, uh, having a speed guy on the team, but I really like it just for for what the Ravens could do with play action and and uh, get the tight ends free between two and three. Agreed with that, and that was just something that I I hadn't mentioned yet. But deep speed is is definitely key for this offense. I think it it helps everybody. It's a symbiotic re relationship in the offense, and Todd Munkin also appreciates it in his. Um, yeah. There was a a wide receiver, Arian Smith, at Georgia that wasn't healthy for parts of the year last year. Um, but when he was, you could just see a different level to the offense, the explosiveness that he would bring. And um, he could simply take the top off of that, uh, the, whatever defense Georgia was playing. So um, yeah, Todd Munkin will know how to use those guys as well. So in, in making up my list, and you'll see this, is going on. one of the things I was willing to do is sacrifice a little size, even though backup X, they'd love to have that long-term. Odell's mm -hmm. here for one year. I, you know, it's very unlikely he'd play more than one year, but uh, very unlikely. It's unlikely he'll play more than one year uh, here. Um, but the uh, the thing I'll give up is a little size in terms of uh, getting speed uh, as I go through my list. And I guess let's start it off and talk about your number 10 guy, and we'll count him down 10 to 1 in the fashion we always do. Yeah, so uh, I don't have the measurements listed for my guys. I didn't get to that part yet. So if you want to chime in with that sure feel free so my number 10 guy is jonathan mingo from ole miss um he is a nice size wide receiver um kind of a good yards after the catch guy bigger body it's probably more uniform scouting but reminds you just what he does in the middle of the field 
um, a little bit like AJ Brown, um, but he is not quite the same receiver. Uh, he had some drop issues, in my opinion, at Ole Miss, but I like the frame. I like his speed. I like the potential that he gives you um, out of Ole Miss. So he, you know, he's at the end of, of my list. I could see him, you know, being an honorable mention for you. I'm not sure where you have him, but uh, he was an interesting player for me and wasn't wasn't my favorite, but he also seems to be a, a reasonable guy on, you know, the probably the fourth round. Okay. I mean, that, if they could get him in the fourth round, I think they do that. So Mingo is my number eight guy. Uh, 6'2", 220, uh, born 420-01. Big premium on that, by the way. You want guys who are a little bit younger. The white, a lot of the positions in the NFL, particularly the the big man positions, offensive and defensive line, have tremendous variation in the age of the players in this draft. We're still in this post-COVID environment where a lot of players are get taking advantage of that fifth year in college, even if they played in the COVID season, they're still, mm-hmm. they're still playing a fifth year. And then you know there there is a a tendency for bigger players to be intentionally flunked in school in the eighth grade to get them an extra year of high school, as a lot of people know. So, they, they, you know, they often will be 18 and a half or so when they graduate from from high school. And they don't have to do that. And obviously it's, it you know, colleges just want big guys who are ready to play. They, they don't necessarily want, uh, you know, want people to be held back. But it's something parents often do to to get their kids ready for high school football is to make sure they're a year a year older. It's it's often a reason why. And there's uh, St. Francis in Baltimore uh, was a team that got booted out effectively of the A conference in Baltimore. And I don't want to get into you know the the pluses and minuses of that because I think you know in, in in ways it was unfair to those players. It was done at a late time. It really didn't seem fair. But the major reason for it was that they had a lot of guys who were a year older. Mm-hmm. And they and they had already been much more physically developed, and not only they're highly recruited and great freaking team of national prominence, and so the, the the they ended up playing a independent schedule and and being a very very good football team as well. A lot of guys going to college out of that group, um, but uh, but anyway, that's that's one of the one of the characteristics you see is a lot of these guys are getting held back. Not true at the wide receiver position, and some of the younger players in the draft this year are at the wide receiver position. Mingo is is just turning 22 in a few days. It's uh 42001 is his birthday. 62220 of 446. Um he's a young ex-prospect and I think he's one of the guys who does not get nearly enough love in this draft. I've got one other real favorite that's not on the, on the top 10 for for some teams. Um but goes up for the football I think very effectively and that's corroborated by his vertical and broad jumps or just outstanding testing there. Uh close to 10 yards per target in college. I'll repeat this four times on the show, at least it's the most yeah. important statistic for a wide receiver yards per target. You can talk a lot about the complaints about the quarterback and accuracy and this and that, but most of it is how explosive is it? How much downfield, how much can they do for you after the catch contribute to that 10 yards per target? So um, I do not have an exact number for him because I don't have a good target number, but he was at 15.7 yards per reception. And I'm pretty sure his catch rate was North of 67%, which would be, he would, he would only need to be about, 62, 63% to be at 10.0 yards per target. Um, really good in terms of tracking the ball. And uh, I think he's one of the receivers who has a big frame, but will still go low for the ball. There are a couple guys like that in this draft. So the mm-hmm. outside the frame, the bad ball catchers, uh, I felt like Chris uh, Moore was a guy the Ravens have had in recent years who kind of met that standard. I, I was kind of sad he never got a better chance with the Ravens. He more, mostly would, just ended up being a special teams guy. But Mingo has more of the um, elite wide receiver traits, and he is one of the few X's uh, in this class. Um, the other thing about Mingo coming to the Ravens, and one of the reasons he, he made my list ahead of some honorable mention guys, is that uh, he's definitely a guy who would provide run blocking to the Ravens. And as much mm-hmm. as they're going to, get away from everything they've done before. And, you know, it's going to be a new offense with Munkin and whatnot. I do believe there'll still be a premium on run blocking at the wide receiver position. And a guy like Mingo would come in and be able to do that right away um, at a high level. You mentioned the drops. That was certainly something that that he's, he needs to reduce. Um, you know, another thing that I think will be good is because he's a good contested catch player and a good that usually makes you a good bailout opportunity player and the kind of guy who will quickly – build trust with Lamar as an extended play option. So I, I you know, he, he won't necessarily get tons of snaps, 
But when they have early down plays that get extended, as naturally is the case with Lamar Jackson, then Mingo is, is definitely a good um, big target and a, and a guy who I think will prove reliable at this next level. So I think if there's a possibility he's there at 86, I would not be shocked if the Ravens was taking him. Round four, sure. I'll take him in a heartbeat there. But mm-hmm. um, if, if they had a chance at 86, I think there's a, there's a reasonable chance he's their guy. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, so who did you have at number 10? Okay, so we'll go a little faster. I'm sorry. I, I, I went a long time on that. My number 10 is Tank Dell of Houston. So uh, you may or may not have him on the list, but he's definitely a guy who sits fits the um, not exactly a, uh, a big receiver. He's 5'8", 165, one of the smallest guys around. He'll be 24 in October. Both of us are big strikes against him, by the way. But he's been prolific in college. Um, he's had 291 targets the last two years at 9.4 yards per target. And get this, 29 touchdowns. So that's at Houston. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, Conference USA, but it's still it's a, it's a reasonable uh, just outside the Power Five conference. Right. So uh, he has very limited um, exceptional testing. Uh, but he does have a 149-10 yard split. So I think one of the things that people were surprised at was that he came in a little bit slow on the 40, like something like 449, 450, right in that range. And people was like, oh my God, what's happened? You know, he's he was supposed to be one of the speed merchants. I think he has a lot of that, and but a lot of it may be in change of direction ability. Mm-hmm. So we gotta be we gotta be careful about putting that value on that. Doesn't really run away from DBs that I saw on on his tape. It's more like he's running at the same speed of the DB who's trying to catch up with him. It's not making people give up, which, you know, you're a little bit faster than the guys chasing you. It often creates that I'm giving up <laughs> situation pretty quickly. Right. Um, do not think he's got a good standing release at all. He's a guy you have to put in motion. That would be a difficult thing for him to fit into the Ravens offense if they're using their motion on tight ends the way they have before. So got to be always careful about the guys who can't release off the line of scrimmage are guys I tend to devalue, but Dell, um, what he's really got in spades after all these things I told you they didn't have is he's really got a lot of wiggle at the top of the route. And then that good mm-hmm. change of direction speed that goes with it to run good routes, get open. Uh, he also, the other thing is on deep balls, he tracks the ball exceptionally well. If you look at the Tulsa game in particular, yep. unbelievable catch directly over the top of his helmet reminded me of, um, and this is going to date me a little bit, but Dave Casper in the 1977 Colts loss in double overtime had an incredible catch that, that put them in position for the, for a, the tying score or the winning score. And I'm forgetting about it. it might've been the tying score and regulation might've been the winning score, but amazing over the directly over his helmet thing. He looked left, he looked right. And then it came right over the ball into his hands and uh, just tracks it exceptionally well. Um Again, there's a guy, a slot receiver, probably. Now, again, you could use him on the outside and probably off the line of scrimmage as a Z. Mm-hmm. And and you, you hopefully you can get him free that way. But if he if he has to be in the slot, um, limits the value because the Ravens have a lot of tight ends they want to put there. So they, they're right. going to want to play a lot of 12. So uh, won't provide you much as a run blocker and has a really good punt return average in his senior year. And, and one of the things... Forget who's the guy Jones that he replaced from the previous year as one of the greatest punt returners of all time at Houston. Um, Marcus, Marcus, yeah, Marcus Jones. Jones. Uh, yeah, so Dell replaced him and 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 put up 17 yards per punt return in 22. So he'd be a guy oh. who you know if if for any reason Duvernay is either not ready to go or the Ravens in fact trade Devin Duvernay, which has been something that's been mentioned because he's got a not insignificant cap hit, then right. maybe they uh, uh, you know have a guy who can replace that part of his uh, ability. Yeah, certainly. Um, funny enough, he is my number nine guy. So you were talking about him, and I he was going to be my next guy. So um, I'll just say a couple things. I agree with everything that, that you mentioned about him. I would say some of his release packages are impressive to me, especially in that Tulsa game kind of goal to go. Um, he did some similar things to another guy I have on my list where – he had those choppy, shifty feet at at his release that turned the corner's hips. So whatever I I believe, um, I believe Tank Dell shifted the corner uh, inside, and he was taking an outside like a corner route or a goal line fade. Um, 
and he got that release, which gave him the, the separation from, from the corner pretty immediately into the route. Um, so I, I saw that to his game a little bit, but I would agree that um, his release package is maybe not, not the best, um, you know, over the course of the majority of his routes. If I, if I could just address that, that is that is a, a really good technique to use in a goal-to-go situation. It is right. a terrible thing to have anywhere else on the field. Is dancing exactly. at the line of scrimmage in mm-hmm. your release is like the worst thing. But a great point. I'm sorry, you had something else to say. Um, yeah, to me, he is one of the better route runners in my list as well. Um, I, I just think what he does at the top of the route to create the separation, even though he's not the fastest guy, he is plenty, plenty fast, but he does know how to find, um, find a little bit of separation to give his quarterback a target. And it's not like Houston has, you know, the best quarterback play, but, um, he is extremely productive and production doesn't always translate, but it, it certainly helps when you see that at the college level to then go into the NFL. Yeah, is I am I'm fairly certain as much as I think he would fit the Ravens need in, in terms of what he can do. And obviously one of the th- other things about being at the top of the route, this comes up for various receivers is if you have a guy on the outside, that's where that space generation is going to be more valuable than on the inside. Now it's true, you got to get immediate space generation on the slot. And that's where I think, you know, in running whip routes or very quick um uh, patterns where the ball is released within about 1.8 seconds or so, you're, you're going to see a lot of value put on that by another team that really relies on a three receiver, pure 11 personnel package and doesn't have a lot of 12 they want to play. So I'm afraid that the Ravens are not going to end up with Tank Dell because where they would value him is going to be less than, say, a New England where, who is used to, like, used to having Welker and Edelman and guys who, who could immediately get open a, a, off the line of scrimmage. And I think he is potentially – that guy, again, could be very, uh, very exciting if he's if he can um, be durable in the NL in the NFL and and uh, have a lot of catches, know how to get down, know how to change direction quickly. Absolutely. Um, something else I saw in his game that was a little bit problematic reminded me of Demarcus Robinson in in the preseason game where we thought you know this guy is going to be the next big thing for Baltimore. The double moves that he can put on are phenomenal. However, sometimes, at least on this particular play, he's doing it out of structure and just trying to create an opening for his quarterback, and he did too much, basically freelancing as a route runner um, down the field, and the quarterback didn't know what to do. So he threw it where Dell was supposed to be, in the back left pylon. It was early in the game um, on a deep route, and it could have been picked off. Uh, the ball, thankfully, was not intercepted for Houston, but um, situations like that, he'd need to clean up a little bit. Um, but overall, I, I think what he does is a positive, so you're probably not going to change him too much at the next level. All right, very good. So he was your number nine guy. So yes, my number my, my number nine guy is Kayshawn Booty of uh, LSU. 5'11", 195. So again, we're not talking about a huge receiver. This is more of a standard size. Uh, it's about what you get with Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham, I guess, weighs a few more pounds now. Um, young guy, 5'7", 02. So he just will turn 21 in May. Uh, he's one of the youngest guys in the whole draft. Uh, 450 in the 40. If you look at his testing, he's really kind of a below average athlete across the board by testing measures and NFL standards. Um, and in particular, his jumps are awful. And I, I have to wonder if the ankle, he had an ankle surgery, I believe of some sort, but an ankle injury anyway, um, that, that may still have been hampering him at this point. You know, we've, we've gone through with Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley's injury and how long that took to recover from, but I'm not sure that Keishon Booty is completely recovered because his, his jumps are really awful. Um, the go-to trait is acceleration off the line of scrimmage for him. Uh, very quick at, at getting to top speed. Uh, ability to break routes at the top, which is good. So he runs a fairly full route tree. He's not simply a vertical threat. And you, we have we have some guys certainly in this draft who are pure vertical threats, and we have a number of guys who can run them all. Um, and and they tend to be these middle sized wide receivers. The bigger guys are typically going to be going to be have fewer routes that they run. But these these middle guys are more like Bateman. You know, if mm-hmm. you have guys who can run the entire tree. Um, Booty's had a big problem with drops in his career. 
And to me, I, and this is one of the things is hard to find drops exactly. It's hard to find the exact plays. It's very difficult. Yeah, you, you stumble across one occasionally when you're watching a full game, but there's no highlight tape of drops. <laughs> so, so they're hard to find that way. But the ones I did see um, were a mix of focus and turning up field. They're not about hand placement in his case. You know, that can be corrected too, but but I think basically drop problems that are focus issues and um, that are turning up field issues effectively, I think are the, are the kind that can be, uh, can be fixed. Does a little bit of catching the ball too close to his body as well. Again, that can be fixed. We saw actually Patrick Queen get over that last year at mid-year. So that was, that was kind of nice. Um, he's big enough to run through some contact, not really AJ Brown uh, when he's with the ball, but he's a good yak player, both in terms of, I think of, of contact balance and the ability to make, Tackers miss. Um, he does has a little bit of juke to him, a little bit of uh, shimmy to him uh, after the catch. So slightly undersized X. He could be a factor at all three levels because he can run the whole route tree. And my main concern with him is is the injuries. Is is he going to recover from this and ever be the receiver he could be? Certainly young enough, and it seems to have you know generally the tape that you would uh, believe is going to be good. I got one other problem is that his yards per target really dropped off substantially in 22. Again, could be the ankle injury, but it was 9.8 yards per target in his first two seasons and 7.4 in his third season. There wasn't a huge um, change in targets, so I, I have a hard time blaming decreasing value of marginal targets, which I bring up on the show a lot, that you know if you become the bailout guy, then you get more contested catches and it hurts your receiving stats. Um, I don't really believe that was the case with Booty. Uh, so I'd really love to have somebody like uh, uh, Coach Evans, you know, talk a little mm -hmm. bit because he's an LSU fan uh, about Kayshawn. I really wanted him to try and sell me on who he was as a player uh, relative to uh, some of these other guys. What did you have to think? Yeah, so he was just an honorable man. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply mention guy for me um basically the injury reasons um kind of the the clashing that he had with the coaching staff at lsu does in his testing numbers kind of all combined to to push him a little bit further down the board um and not really appear as a as a top 10 prospect um but he certainly had the pedigree you know going into this season um for all of that so I think the potential's there for him. And if he recovers from those injuries, then you're talking about, you know, potentially getting a steal in the draft. Cause I don't think he's going to go as high as some of the other players we're going to be talking about in our top tens. Um, so you get booty in the fourth round. Yeah, that's about, that's about right. Um, no, he'd be a value there. I think. Yeah. I, I think you can find value with him. It's, it's just a matter of where is his mindset? Um, how much does he, you know, want to, you know, play football at this next level. I, I'm sure he does. He's, he's still a young guy. He didn't, he decided to declare for the draft instead of going, going back to LSU. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty 
optimistic about what he could become, but um, just didn't have him in my top 10. Okay, so Booty was my number nine guy, so we're to your number eight guy. Yes, my number eight guy is maybe higher for some people. Um, he is a speed merchant. That is his game, um, Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. I, I love him. I have him at number five, but let's uh, let's talk about him. Yeah, so um, he he is uh, a very fast guy, not not necessarily the full route tree is represented in his tape. Um, but what he brings is a game breaking ability that only certain players have. Um, and that is taking the top off the defense and, um, something that Todd Munkin would love, love in his offense. I think he would pair well with, um, Odell and, and Bateman. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to do well on, Nine routes, posts, um, you know, deeper corners, and and maybe some of the deeper crossing routes. But um, I just I didn't see everything in his route tree that that screamed like this is a guy that's going to end up being a wide receiver one for for my team. He's more of a a secondary weapon, which most of these guys are um, going to be number two wide receivers, if not number threes. So um, I I did like his game. I just. I like some of the other guys um, a little bit better for what I was looking looking for. There are some big determinants coming off for Jalen Hyatt, but I, I really loved him as a player. The 2022 Blantnikoff winner, uh, his season is just incredible. It reminds me of Jamar Chase's last season in college in a lot of ways. 18.9 yards per reception, and, and he did that with a 75.3% catch rate. Now, normally deep threats you know, are in the high 50s, low 60s in terms of their catch rate, right. which brings down their overall yards per target because it's the multiple of those two is what yards per target is. 14.2 yards per target. Every time you throw the ball to him, 14.2 yards. Well, not every time, but you know, on average. Right. And uh, uh, that's just an absolutely remarkable, you know, off the charts figure. And, and uh, we, we, we did see that with Jamar Chase. I believe he was in that range um, in, in his last year. But uh, uh, Hyatt is a slender built guy who still runs 440. So he's kind of at that point where you don't want to pick up a lot of weight because he might lose some of his speed. But he's six feet tall and, you know, carrying it pretty well at that weight. Here's the big problem. He's been a slot guy who's mostly run his vertical routes out of the slot. Mm-hmm. Now, that is not ideal on on for a lot of reasons at the NFL level. First of all, you want you want a guy who will take the ta- top off the defense. You want to be dragging people towards one side and the outside of the football field. Okay. And and if they make a cut, it's okay that you can you can you can they post, you know, say you you could take a safety out deep on one side of the field as well. But if you're going to create space, you really want to have a have a guy who's on the outside as a, and, and you, you, it's much more difficult to do it from the slot. So if Hyatt being primarily that guy, and it's not like that's all he catches, but that's a lot of what he does, um, then you're you're uh, you're really losing out on uh, on on his on, on taking advantage of his vertical explosiveness. So if he's if he ends up not being a good press beater on the outside and you have to either motion him or put him in the slot to release him, then I think he loses a lot of value. So the Ravens will probably have to make that determination themselves from the tape. Um, I'm, I'm really going on the assumption. I think he probably can do well enough at the Z to get the releases he needs to get down the field and not be hampered by press in the same way. It's also something a little bit of weight room time, he could probably give up a little bit of that speed to get a little bit more physical in terms of what he does. And it probably also could be more physical even at the size he is right now. Cause he's certainly not a short man. He's got, uh, I don't remember what his arm length was. I don't have that in, um, in, in my notes for him, but you know, he's, he's not going to be at a severe arm length disadvantage to most cornerbacks uh, being six feet tall. So he's got to probably have a, a pretty good chance to, to, you know, push off and hand fight and, 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 and extend, as he needs to, to, uh, uh, to make space for himself. Uh, I think the reason I had him as high on my list is because he's one of the guys, if he can move to Z, be a potentially great space maker and matchup creator for the tight ends is that he can give you a lot more there. You can add Beckham to that list now too, because Beckham is going to want to run a lot of routes that are uh, not, not necessarily vertical and, uh, and hopefully can, can help the Ravens in, in that way as well. Uh, if you want to watch, one of the greatest games ever by a wide receiver 
watch his game against Alabama. I'm sure you're, you're sparing no tears over that one, uh, you know, being a Georgia <laughs> fan. But five touchdowns on six catches, 207 yards. The, the touchdowns he had in that game are an interesting combination because he had a post. He had a flat route that he, that it was near the goal line, and he and he flattened out and then and then beat the man to the corner. Uh, a nine on the left side, uh, where he was lined up. I guess we would call it as an X receiver. A post off a stack release on the right side. That's another way they could get him free. The Ravens haven't done much with bunch and stack formations in the last few years, but you know if if you line up a guy behind a tight end on one mm-hmm. side, you know that may give you an opportunity to get him get him free or rub him off or whatever you might want to do there. Um, and then he he had a ball that was inside the 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 hash between two defenders. It's, it's almost like a slant he was running, but he's running to a space on the field where they were in zone coverage and they just could not close quickly enough. Um, really like Hendon Hooker, how he looked in in this game. Throw it to some of these Tennessee receivers who, uh, you know, it's a pretty good set. Honestly, they've got there. Tennessee eventually won that game 52 to 49, by the way. But he got the game tied with maybe three minutes left at 49 and uh, uh, with his fifth touchdown of the game. So. I like him a lot. Uh, that's uh, why I had him as high as number five. Yeah, for sure. Um, by the way, I did look up the arm length for you. Um, mm-hmm. Very decent arm length, 32 and a half. Oh, that's great for, for a wide receiver at that size. Yep, yeah. Six foot, one eight uh, in the height, 176 for the weight. I'm looking at um, the RAS relative athletic score. So that'd be a combined um, way in there. They're, they probably wouldn't take a pro day kind of uh yeah, that. Nor- normally it's going to be combine unless they have to fill in with um some pro day stuff okay all right outstanding so um let's see that was your number eight guy right was high yes. yes okay so my number eight guy was mingo okay and so we're on your number seven guy right uh yes my number seven is probably not on your board uh, maybe he's an honorable mention and that is Michigan State wide receiver Jaden Reed. Okay, he he's on my list. Where did I have him? So I had him at number 15. So he is on my honorable mention list. But let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, so when I watched him, I just saw a really good route runner. Um, he has, you know, similar size to these smaller guys, but... <laughs> honestly a little bit bigger than, than some of the guys at, at the top of our, our list, I'm assuming. Um, he has a decent, I, I think he has an underrated ability to accelerate his zero to 60 is extremely fast. Um, he just gets to top speed really quickly in his routes. And that is, um, that's an awesome quality in a receiver, um, to, to pull away from, from cornerbacks and, to get to the top of the break and, and make it cut. So I, I really liked what he did. I watched, um, I watched him against Maryland in, in 2022 and he had a really nice game. Uh, didn't do the most against banks or Bennett, but he did have a, I think he had a couple plays against Bennett that were decent. Mm-hmm. Um, he also went against their other cornerback number six. guy. Yeah. Number six, I believe he was on the outside. Um, but, Maybe maybe he was subbed in or something, um, but yeah, just a really really nice ability to accelerate. Really nice route tree from him. Um, I liked his end around uh, ability as well. So if you're talking about Devin Duvernay potentially moving on, this is a guy that can fill that role. Um, I I just found his game to be better than than some of the other prospects that seemingly would be higher on most people's boards. A lot to, lot to say about this guy. Um, he had a big production drop off in 22. So he went down to 7.6 yards per target from 10.2 and 21. So if he's, he would be at 10 yards per target. That's a, that's a kind of a gold standard number for a prospect. That's a, that's, you're going to be a, probably going to be able to convert that to the NFL. If you can do that in a, in a, in a season where you have a high number of targets, what I think probably happened to him is that in his last year at Michigan State, he was drawing more of the chase coverage from the best um, opposing cornerback, and that might have hurt him. Uh, doesn't really have outstanding testing or size traits. He's 23 years old. Does have a 445 
He's not big. He's not small at 5'11", 187. So that was right. okay. The, the, one of the things I didn't really like about him was he's not really a good yak player. Not as good as I would expect him to be. Uh, barely 4.0 yak per play. I just expect a guy like him to have, you know, with, with good speed like that, to have some elusiveness. And frankly, with that kind of size, to have a little more contact balance. So, you know, it's not always a bigger man who's going to be trying to tackle him there. You're, you're looking to get extra yardage at that point. I'd like to see some of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Did have a good motor, and I thought he had a good ability to find space for extended plays. Um, he does a pretty good job, from what I saw, of breaking the rules. And, you know, when everybody's going to one side of the field because that's the drill, he doesn't always do that. And I like to I like to see that on on guys who want to freelance and maybe have the quarterback's attention in doing so. Reed was one of the best contested catch players in this draft. Also, that's not something I really look for. A lot of what I really want is a guy to have a low number of contested catches right. with a high rate of success on it. Exactly. But, you know, with a with a bigger receiver, you're you're, you're going to tend to get a fair number of contested catches, and and you want them to be bringing them down pretty regularly. And the other thing is he's he's a a, a potential punt return or also fifteen point three yards per return um, on punts in his career. And that includes three touchdowns, and it's on thirty eight returns, so not some like minimal sample size. A lot of these guys have mm-hmm. you know six or ten returns in their senior year, and that's about all they have. But he's really been a specialist in that area, so it'd be an interesting. Guy to bring on again if if Duvernay is uh, for any reason gonna gonna not be able to play or or might not be on the team next year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who did you have at number seven? I okay, so yeah, I might have this guy higher than most. I, I think he's tremendously underloved in the draft, and that's Marvin Mims of Oklahoma, five eleven, one eighty three, four thirty eight, forty. One of the younger guys in the draft. He just turned twenty one on uh, March nineteenth. Uh, really fantastic testing profile across the board. 39 and a half inch vert, a 10, nine broad. And it, it, those are explosiveness numbers. And I'll refer to them often. The, the jumps are good explosiveness numbers for indicate better acceleration. If sometimes you'll hear people talk about coaching speed and there's only two ways to increase speed, you can increase stride length or you can increase stride frequency. First time I heard that, it just made me laugh like crazy because, of course, that's the only two ways to do it. But yeah. but it's just having somebody lay it out for that. And, you know, if you're increasing stride length, you look at like explosiveness and, and those numbers. And those are the real good acceleration components of being good receivers. So those those jump numbers are good. They also help them get to the catch point, but they're, they're important for off the line of scrimmage as well. The other drill he, he did, he had a 6'9", three-cone, which is pretty good for his size. I, I, honestly, being under seven seconds should be good for anybody. An elite cornerback might not want to show a 6'9", three-cone. And in fact, one of the things that comes up this year in, in the cornerbacks is they all want to run, but nobody wants to do the three-cone because it can only cost you money. If mm-hmm. you if you come out with a bad three cone and you know last year we had a we had a defensive end Hutchinson who went to the Lions who was a, a six sixty nine or something in the three oh, yeah. cone an amazing and, you know, three cone yeah, amazing three cone and, and and there's there's a lot of corners who aren't anywhere near that and you know I, I, particularly if you, if you're looking at a slot corner or a smaller guy he better not be you know seven ten in the three cone because then you're gonna you're gonna kind of rule him out and so cornerbacks now are are avoiding the three cone like uh, like the plague mm-hmm. um, in terms of testing. But let's get back to Mims for a second because he's a really good football player. Um, probably adjusts the football in the air as well as just about anybody else in this draft. Great at tracking the football. He can go over either shoulder to do it. Um, his yards per target numbers are off the board in terms of the the uh, the uh, you know the rest of the class. Twelve point four yards per target in twenty two. Thirteen point five for the 20 to 22 period. So it wasn't a fluke in 22. It was actually a down year. <laughs> and uh, uh, he's the, he's the brother uh, brother. I think that's correct. Of Denzel Mims, who the jets ended up getting uh, when the Ravens had a chance, but took instead uh, Jakey Dobbins. Correct. So this is a good chance to uh, not correct or wrong because JK has been a hell of a player, but to, to get one of the two Mimses and, and hopefully have him, um, be a good player at the at the college level. 16.0 punt return average in 22. That was a relatively small number, like 10 punts or something. Um, if you go back and look at his tape, the play that really stood out for me this year that is like, it made me a believer of him and as much as any other was a catch he made off the back of a Texas Tech cornerback who was interfering with him. So <laughs> literally he was, he was, he's on the right sideline. 
turning back for the football. He has to reach through basically the Texas Tech defensive back, and he he his arms are on either side, which is normally you know how can you make a catch under those circumstances? But he may, manages to push the ball from his left hand into his right hand, then pull that hand out alone, go to the ground, and um, the flag was already down. Interference is called, but he made he made the catch. It's just one of the amazing catches of this last football season um, that you see. Guy has no fear going to the catch point. Absolutely goes up and is willing to take a big hit. A lot of alligator arms on some of the players in this class, on, on any class, any class. It's a general, you know, a general issue that uh, wide receivers don't like to take big hits, but but this is a, a guy who doesn't really have any fear at all. Um, I hear a lot about this guy being a pure project uh, with all he's done at the college level. I, I don't see it. I, he's, he's one of the best receivers in this class. I don't understand why, particularly with the testing that's going on, that that he wouldn't be thought of very highly. I think he's a a Z for the Ravens, and if he's still there at number eighty six, he'd be he'd probably be my guy. We'd have to see who else was there, but um, mm-hmm. I I would be I'd be very surprised if he didn't fit what the Ravens uh, would want at that point. Yeah, so uh, he just missed uh, the cut for me. Um, I near the end of the receivers, I didn't have as much time to watch several games like I did on the, on the earlier guys. So I think he might be higher for me when I get the chance to watch some additional games, but the game I watched, um, didn't leave the best taste in my mouth, um, for him. And that was the Iowa state game in 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he has all of the things that you're talking about. Clearly he's, he's had better games than, than this particular one. I saw some positive things, but I also saw a number of drops in this game that were, I was just like, what, what is up with this guy's hands? Um, so for me, he was a little bit lower for that because what I would, what, what I was able to watch of him wasn't the best. Um, two, two receptions for 16 yards in that game. I'm just looking at the, at the yeah. Premier. Yeah. He, he does have very nice acceleration. Um, I liked his end around ability. Like I mentioned before with, uh, with Reed, think he would fill that role um quite well you can you can see it um clearly he ran a nice curl route in that game um actually i think his two receptions were both curl routes uh and then he had a number of drops and just maybe wasn't on the same page with this quarterback but um iowa state i think has a uh they have a pretty decent corner number two i need to look up who it is but he was covering him pretty much the whole game and um you know, kind of shut him down a little bit, but uh, I, I will go with with your judgment on Mims since I haven't been able to watch that much of him. All right. Well, we're I, we hope you'll join us for a draft night, and uh, it'll be day two. I would guess that Mims will be drafted. You never know. After running four thirty eight, he, he could go. I guess he could go in the first round. I think it's probably unlikely. I think there's not going to be the huge run on wide receivers this year. But uh, right. But he he's one of the guys who certainly will go a lot higher than he than he was going to before the combine. All right, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Uh, Mims was my number seven guy, so I think we're up to your number six guy, right? Yes. So now we're getting in the sweet spot territory, in my opinion. Um, so my number six guy is also a Tennessee wide receiver. You might have him lower than you had Hyatt, but I like him. I like his game a little bit more, um, especially when you get into the injury concerns of 2022 versus um, – his great year in 2021, Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver from Tennessee, wears number four, has great size. If you're talking about him or Quentin Jeff, I mean Johnston, um, similar players in terms of size. I, I honestly think Tillman does a lot of things better, but um, I have him at number six. I, I think it's a great choice. He is in my honorable mention group, but why don't you just go through what you uh, uh, had on him, and then I'll follow. Sure. Um, let's see. I mean, I just, I had positive note after positive note going through his games. Um, I, I watched 2021 tape. So you are going to have a difference if you're watching 2022 mm-hmm. with those injuries. Um, he had a very nice game against Alabama in 2021. You saw him play against our guy, uh, Jalen Armour Davis, as well as Josh Job or Joby, however you pronounce his name. Um, he won you know, from the slot and a lot out wide. He's 
most typically on the right side of the formation as a right wide receiver. Um, an excellent deep ball tracker, uh, wins nine routes, back shoulders. Um, he wins on slant routes, drag routes. I mean, everything in between. He's going to be a good curl route guy. I feel like he sells a vertical stem really well, um, that vertical release, and comes back to the quarterback. Um, what they have going on there, or what they did have going on at Tennessee, was was pretty special with him and Hyatt and uh, Hendon Hooker, of course. So I, his his game against Bama was was really good. That's great competition. And then his game against Georgia, which is the one most talked about typically, um, was also a really good game. It was not against Keely Ringo, you know, a potential first, second round prospect in this um, in this draft. It was more so against Darian Kendrick, um, the other corner in 2021 for the Dogs. Uh, Kendrick, if you remember, did not have the greatest testing. I think he ended up with the Rams, um, a sixth round pick. I believe, but Tillman had a day, um, had a day with him for sure. Won a ton of deep routes. So this, this is a guy that, that is very capable of being a high yards per reception, yards per target receiver catches just about everything. Um, when he's healthy in 2021, um, curl routes, vertical routes, crossing routes, um, there were there was an interception in that game that Kendrick kind of jumped um, in front of Tillman, got one. Uh, but for yeah, for the most part, I just have positive notes after positive notes um, from what he was able to do at the end of the game in garbage time. Georgia, by the way, not trying to rub it into Tennessee fans, but Georgia did kill Tennessee in this game in 2021 as well as 2022. Um, <laughs> but. At the end of the game, Tillman did score a touchdown against Keely Ringo. It was a slant um, about 12 yards out into the end zone and, and got got Ringo to open up to the outside, and Tillman had easy separation to the inside for a catch, and it ended the game. All right. Out- outstanding stuff on Tillman there. Uh, 6'3", 213, 454. One of the knocks on him is he was already 23 years old. So Mm -hmm. that's in terms of growth and actually he won't be 23 for eight more days as I'm, as I'm reading this uh, right now, Uh, his testing and size metrics are all outstanding other than the 40. So that's, it's the one thing. And obviously it's a, a thing teams tend to tend to focus on a lot. Um, Had a step back in 2022 production. He had an ankle surgery, um, something called tightrope surgery, which really does not sound good. I don't know what it is, but it really does not sound good to have something like that on your ankle after you just had a super productive year. Um, liked uh, two things about about his uh, uh, thing that you didn't mention were box out ability. He mm, plays sure. a lot like a tight end in that regard. Uh, catches the ball away from his body. Does a good job of shielding the the uh, Thanks, uh, cor- cornerback or the uh, linebacker often in times of of who might be trying to reach across. Uh, I thought that. One of the things that uh, he did is he's a good bad ball catcher as well. And a lot of it in his case also was going down. Some of it going up, but a lot of it going down also. I like mm-hmm. to see it. I like to see it both. Particularly a big man. Don't you like to see a big man go to get the ball low when he needs to? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, that obviously is gonna 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 be a good thing to try and and be a, a, a trust builder with a with a quarterback like Jackson, who frankly concentrates a lot of his targets the way that Billy Martin concentrated innings into pitchers. If you think back into the 1970s, blew out, Billy Martin blew out a few pitching staffs, even though he's a great manager. He he uh he had a three-year run with about four consecutive different teams, the 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 Tigers at the end of the 60s, and he destroyed McLean and some other other uh, uh, pitchers, and then the uh, uh, the Rangers, and he destroyed a bunch of things, including a young prospect named David Clyde, uh, and then he had a run with the uh, the Yankees. Yet, yes, it was the Yankees then next, and and the Yankees fell apart as soon as he left, and then the uh, uh, he went to the A's, and and very notoriously in 1980 had a bunch of of starters pitching extraordinary number of innings, including a 14-inning complete game, if you can believe that, uh, wow. <laughs> at one point during that season. So uh, it's it's just something there that, you know, I think concentrated targets are probably going to still be something. And we may see that that Andrews and Beckham are sharing them more. 
But if another guy is going to come in, he's going to really have to need to build trust pretty quickly to gain a lot of target share. And, and uh, Tillman is the kind of guy who's I think his style of play leads to that. Uh, his forced missed tackles are not good. So what I saw a lot about him was when he was running with the football after the catch, he did not look fast at all. In fact, he looked slow relative to the other cornerbacks on the field who were who were chasing him down. So I, he, not an exceptional yak guy. He What he is really good for is being a blocker. He has the, the size, keeps his feet pretty well. Uh, he could do a lot of damage to most defensive backs at his kind of size and length, but but he doesn't really try and do that uh, exclusively. He's, he's a good positional blocker. If you think my, what Miles Boykin brought to the Ravens, um, uh, Tillman is maybe a guy that more in that line and definitely a pure X guy at mm-hmm. this next level. So uh, he would also you know potentially have to be a project by. He might be a two-year project uh, behind it, behind Bateman. And I don't think you really want a guy who's 23 and is a two-year project. You want to get him on the field and and see what he right. can do right away. So hopefully that'd be uh, uh, you know make sense from that. And that's why I had him in my honorable mention group. I I, I think you know there's there's a lot to like. There's a there's a, a pretty big injury flag from this from this ankle injury. But most of what I saw in the field, I was very happy about. If if it gets to round four, you know I think he's a guy who could. Uh, who could be a, a make a lot of sense for the Ravens. They love big receivers and they haven't really had a lot of that in recent years. They've had tight ends, but not really big receivers. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things you mentioned about him with the box out ability and the catching bad balls. Uh, one of the plays he made, I believe it was him, um, was a ridiculous diving catch uh, to the sideline. I believe it was the, the left sideline where you see the pass on, on the first all 22 angle. And you're like, okay, this, this ball is going to be incomplete. The ref's going to, you know, going to wave his hands incomplete. And it was a catch. And then you, you look at the, um, the end zone angle. And of, of course it, you find out that it is a legitimate catch and you're just like, wow, really surprised that was a tiptoe on the back line where he got his right foot in coming towards the camera on the right side of the field. That might have been it, yeah. Yeah, I, I I may be thinking of another receiver. Honestly, it was it was in in the tape I watched this year. It's just absolutely astounding that they, that he got his foot in. It looked like nobody else thought it was in out of bounds. He called it out of bounds right away, and then and then they looked at the at the tape, and it's just an unbelievable body control toe tap. Yeah. Uh, Number All six right, guy for you. Number six guy for me. Actually, we're going to come back and do this on the second half of this of this episode because I know we have a couple of guys already, and then we probably have some similar guys at the top uh, at the top of the draft that we're uh, we're going to be talking about. But I uh, hope you'll join us for part two. Jake, thanks a lot for coming on. Tell folks where they can find you online and talk football. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at real Jake Vogel V O G E L. Um, I talk Ravens football. I talk Georgia football, college football, NFL you name it. Um, and it's always a good time chatting on spaces and just, uh, on the timeline. So we'll, we'll see what happens with, uh, Elon Musk and what he's doing with Twitter. But as for right now, I am on there and, um, enjoying any sort of interaction that I get. I hope there isn't some new news that I haven't heard about <laughs> with regard to Musk and Twitter. Cause it's uh, so far, it seems like it's going to, it's going to survive. But I uh, really appreciate you coming on, Jake. And if you want to keep up with SEC football, Jake's really your guy. He's he's the guy I always go to along with Coach Evans in terms of asking about an, an SEC project to uh, a prospect uh, who uh, might be coming out. Uh, Jake, thanks for coming on. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short this offseason, I've got lots of space for you. If you want to do that one play, love to have you. Uh, you. You guys know what that is by now, just one play in Ravens history. If you don't even know what play you want, just message me. I'll give you a play to research and you can have some fun doing it. Uh, or I'll give you some suggestions on a play. And you'll, re- I remember that one and we'll, we, we can do that. Uh, we've done about 50 of those. They are a ton of fun. Uh, but also if you have a, if you have a, a short you'd like to do on franchise building on anything about how the Ravens ought to approach the draft, that's different, maybe quantitative. That's fine. If you've developed some new metric that you're proud of, always happy to vet those new things on the, on the show. So uh, I'd love to hear from you. DMs are always open on Twitter. I'll get right back to you. Jake, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.